Og skidt der skidt lidt i bar Og skidt der det lidt du Og skidt skal ske Og skidt lidt du Og skidt skal ske lidt du All right, welcome back to the Dynasty 1.01. This is episode 1.02. We got Will Brown here at Dynasty Walrus on Twitter. I am Zach. You can find me at DFF underscore Z Train on Twitter. Uh, we are going to go through some uh, rookie drafts today. It's rookie draft season. So we wanted to go through a couple that Will and I have done together over the last few days kind of give you a sense of who we think might have been a reach, who is really good value. There's a couple surprises uh, in here that I think uh, are important to discuss uh, and can kind of prep you for your uh, uh, rookie draft. So with that, kick it to you, Will, kind of give us a sense of, uh, of what we're going to chat about today. Sure, man. Um, so like Zach said, these are two rookie drafts that we're going to kind of touch on here. One where we are opponents and one where we are co-owners. Um, mostly we'll be talking about the one where we are uh, going head to head because that's a little bit more fun. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, jump right in. And uh, so the f- first three picks uh, in both of these drafts had the same players. Now that's uh, CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor and Joe Burrow. Now, in in the main league that we're talking about here, uh, it went CEH 1, Taylor 2, Burrow 3. Uh, in the, the league where we're co-owners, Burrow was off the board first, CEH was second, Taylor was third. Uh, so I should note that these are both super flex leagues. So I guess my first question for you, Zach, is if you have that 101, are you going quarterback regardless or is CH or Taylor such an intriguing prospect that you would consider them at the 101, even in Superflex? Yeah, I think with, uh, you know, somewhat roster dependent, but yeah. I, it would, it would have to be some sort of legitimate quarterback room. I mean, you'd have to have like a two studs three studs probably to not take burrow at 1.01 i think he you know if you have him you you also think about trade value too i mean if you have if burrow develops into what you what we think he's going to develop in uh to to develop into you got to think down the road too of what kind of trade you can get back if you don't necessarily need him um you know three years from now if he develops into a top five to seven quarterback you can flip him for multiple ones um, or some other pieces. So, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, unless you have some sort of stacked quarterback room, I think you kind of have to go burrow here just based purely on the, uh, the top five quarterback potential that he could bring within the first few years. Okay. Um, I think you're a little bit higher on the quarterback, uh, than I am. You know, I think yeah, I, I like Joe Burrow, but I don't know if he really has that top five upside. Um, so, for me, if I have, if I'm happy with my quarterbacks, I don't think that I'd need three stud quarterbacks, like you said. Um, but if I'm happy with where I am with my quarterbacks, I would consider a, a running back here, um, especially if I'm needy at that position. Um, but I agree that these three players should be the first three off the board. What about you? Yeah, I think they probably should be. You can make a case yeah. for Tua uh, Vailoa, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, we should mention that in, in the league we're talking about here, the first three picks were all the same owner had all three picks. So there was some... At first. 
Right. There, yeah. So he had Clyde Edwards Hilaire was his first pick. Taylor was his mm-hmm. second pick. And then he actually wound up trading out of the third pick. And, and his yeah. quarterback room, to be honest, is the perfect example of a, of a team that should draft Joe Burrow. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by that as well. Yeah. yeah. Old dudes in, in his quarterback room. But mm-hmm. my concern, I guess, you know, I think Taylor and CEH are about as locked into prospects as you can get at running back. Yeah. I just, as we've talked about before, I tend to kind of lean more towards the longevity of wide receivers, the longevity of um, sure. quarterbacks. You know, if, if uh, CEH and Taylor have five good seasons, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Burrow could be in the league for 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, you're, if you have the 101 and you earned the 101, it makes a lot more sense to, to go with a quarterback just because you're probably not competing right now anyway. Um, so if, if you had found a way to trade into the one one then you are a contender and you need, you know, a stud running back, I, I'd be fine taking one of them here. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So yeah, Joe, Joe Burrow, I think he'll have a pretty solid year. I don't know that he'll mm-hmm. be tremendously serviceable. I don't think he's going to necessarily win you a league this year. I think yeah. he'll have a good year. He's locked in as the starter. He's got some decent weapons, but if you have the 1.01 and you are, absolutely in your window one to two years uh then yeah i guess i don't have a problem going running back because you, we've mm-hmm. seen running backs have significant impact in their first year looking at saquon looking at ezekiel elliott looking at josh jacobs last year mm-hmm. um so if you need a ceh just to kind of round out your win now team um i guess i don't have a problem with it uh but i just think more about dynasty and i think more about long term and i think burrow's value long term is probably higher than those two running backs yeah yeah, I think that's probably fair. And and you uh, you touched on it a little bit there. You're going to get starts out of Joe Burrow. With Tua and with Herbert, he, that's just probably not going to happen, um, at least in for the first few weeks of the year. Um, so you know that you're getting probably a 16-week starter in Joe Burrow. The other guys, you know, I've seen projections of, you know, 14 starts, 10 starts, something like that. So know you know you know you're going to get return on your value right away yeah there's not um this is like one of the first drafts i think i I may just be kind of uh narrow-minded right now just kind of looking at the a prisoner of the moment but i can't really think of another draft where there was one quarterback that was the starter you get i mean it's certainly possible that tua could come in and and uh and be the the 16 week starter or or even Mm -hmm. potentially herbert but uh you know obviously jordan love's not going to obviously uh Jalen Hurts is not going to Jake Fromm is not going to so I don't know it just seems kind of strange that you know if you have if this quarterback class you're going to be waiting two years potentially to see them have any sort of meaningful uh play then you're going to be waiting even more time you're going to be waiting uh to get your quarterback for your dynasty future so that kind of to me signals even more so leaning towards Burrow if you know from day one you're getting a 16 game starter with some decent weapons sure sure um, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the two running backs who, who went here. Now, it was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was the first running back off the board um, in both drafts here. But you're a Taylor guy. How much of that is um, really based on kind of like pre-draft rankings, you know, the talent, the scouting, that kind of stuff? And how much of it is based on the landing spot? Yeah, and also some of it is based on being a homer for Wisconsin sports. <laughs> right, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's coming from running back U, right? So he's got Ron Dane, he's got Monte Ball, he's got Melvin Gordon. You know, he's, he kind of comes from that, that nice lineage. Uh, you know, Ron Dane obviously didn't have a, the pro career that, that we expected him to. Injuries derailed that. But there's been a lot of success from 
you know, being a Wisconsin running back and coming into the NFL. And uh, so I, and obviously Monte Ball, he had some off the field stuff. So kind of a different story as well, but there, there is that precedent there for those running backs. And, um, you know, just watching every game he played last year, he was the best player on the field for almost every game he was in. Uh, He's incredibly fast. He has pretty good vision. He can break tackles incredibly well. You know, there's some, Mm -hmm. some say that he's not, the greatest pass catching back in the draft, which is true, but I don't think that's a, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a huge weakness for him. I think he can develop into a pass catching back, but to answer your question, I guess, you know, a lot of it is pre-draft rankings, but had Mm -hmm. Taylor gone to the lions, I wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. as excited as I am about him going to a team with uh, one of the best offensive lines. Yeah. um, I'd agree with that. No, and he also yeah. they also have weapons on the outside too. I mean, this yeah, they're the culture in a mm-hmm. weird place right now. You know, like yeah, a they weird are. win nowy kind of sort of window. But mm-hmm. you know, they have Paris Campbell. They drafted Michael Pittman. They have Ty mm-hmm. Hilton. They have Marlon Mack. They have a great offensive line. They have old mm-hmm. Philip Rivers who's still serviceable. Yep, their defense is okay. I mean, they could they could make some noise, and I think Taylor could be um, he could be the three down back there, but. Mm-hmm if I can continue CEH, actually, I'm kind of now leaning on the fence a little bit with him. Uh, the more I think about the landing spot, yeah. the more I think about um, the lack of competition in the running back room, uh, the fit with Mahomes and the pass catching running back. I mean, this just mm-hmm. seems like a dream scenario for CEH. And I wouldn't be upset if you took Taylor and I wouldn't be upset if you took CEH. They're really that close in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm 100% with you there. Um, I definitely lean Edwards Hilaire. Uh, one, the draft capital. Uh, the Chiefs were absolutely stoked to take him in the first round. Um, and the fact that he goes in the first round means that they get that fifth-year option on him. So potentially you have another year of production in that system guaranteed, which is great. Yeah. Um, and then with, with Taylor, I, I love Taylor. My only concern is that I think he might be slotted right into that Marlon Mack role, which does not include a lot of pass catching, was never asked to, to, to catch passes. Um, just kind of like the, the fit with what he did in college and what they used Marlon Mack for uh, the past couple of years, like that really kind of points me in that direction. Now, that being said, Marlon Mack had huge weeks without catching any passes. So you know, Taylor can definitely do that, but that's why I just kind of, you know, split hairs and go CEH over Taylor. Yeah. I think also in, you know, PPR leagues too, that's a great point. Uh, the Colts seem to really enjoy the using Naheem Hines yeah. as a pass catching back. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking for volume in dynasty football, which you do, and if you're looking for staying on the field, regardless of the situation uh, being up 15 points, 20 points, 30 points being down 30 points, um, yeah, I could see leaning towards CEH knowing that mm-hmm. he's going to get both the passing downs and the running downs. Um, mm-hmm. but we'll see, you know, I don't know. There's yeah. a, you never know. I think Taylor, Taylor's speed, his elusiveness, his like dominating running style, I think could get there, but I also, I, I can, I fully get the CEH talk. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to pick four here. Um, so in the main draft that we're talking about here, this is Tua's landing spot here at 104. Uh, now, this owner has Kyler Murray, and he's got Baker Mayfield. 
Uh, Zach, is that enough for you to pass on someone like Tua, you know, two other young quarterbacks uh, on the team? Or is this the right call in your mind? Uh, this is the right call for me. Um, I, I'm on team. You can never have too many good quarterbacks in Superflex uh, Dynasty. And, you know, we've seen Baker have an incredible rookie year followed by a sophomore slump. And, and you kind of are hoping you see, uh, you know, the third year breakout, I guess, or the third year return to uh, being what he was as a rookie. But yeah, I think absolutely having Tua in your system um, mm-hmm. and you don't need to start him right away. And that's the beautiful thing. So I think, yeah, yeah if you have Kyler Murray and Tua again, turns into the type of quarterback you think he's going to turn into, you're talking about having three top 10 quarterbacks for the next, you know, dozen years. Mm-hmm. And of course you can't start three quarterbacks, but, but man, you know, think about what you can get for any of those guys. If they continue the path they're on now, I mean, you're, the, the return you could get if you wanted to trade them is insane. So I think you have to have that yeah. kind of future thinking when you're drafting uh, quarterbacks in Superflex. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% there. Um, and just for a little bit of context, this owner has Joe Mixon, he's got Austin Eckler, and he also had the 108 in this draft, uh, which turned into a running back that we'll talk about in a little bit. So I am fully on board with just locking in the guy who who was the consensus kind of 101 in Superflex for a long time until he got hurt and until Joe Burrow just went insane last year. So I'm with you there. Yeah, I think All there's right, so, I think there's a there's a just very quickly there's a there's mm-hmm, a huge sure. kind of tear drop right. Like I think you can make the case for Dobbins over you know Taylor if you wanted to. Um, you, could, you could make the case. That's kind of it actually. I mean, there's really nobody else that I want at four. Um, with an understanding of where the landing spots were. I think if Burrow is gone, if both the top yeah. two running backs are gone, the only other person you could get me to entertain at that spot at four is uh, Dobbins. And I don't think that's, I probably wouldn't do that, especially with the running backs he already has, like you mentioned. Okay. All right. Well, in the other draft, there was one running back that went ahead of Tua, but we're going to save that for later. Um, hmm. Just a little tease there. Um, All right, so moving on to the 105, uh, this is where it kind of gets interesting. Uh, With this pick, Jerry Judy went over Dobbins, over CeeDee Lamb. What are your thoughts about that? Is that the right call? Because I'm kind of in the CeeDee Lamb camp over Jerry Judy. Yeah, I'm in the CeeDee Lamb camp over uh, Jerry Judy also. Uh, You know, I I think it's it's a 1A, 1B thing. I don't think it's, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's absurd. You know, I don't don't Mm -hmm. think it's like he took T. Higgins at one. 1.05 but but I think uh you know the the owner that we're talking about his team is a little questionable and so you know Mm. maybe you bring on the guy with the best route running skills who has maybe a quicker route to being the number one receiver um in Denver versus CD Lamb maybe has a longer route I don't know of being the 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 wide receiver but with a with a team that's not quite as ready to compete you would think you'd be more okay with bringing on the consensus you know 1.01 1.01 receiver of the bunch and kind of waiting that extra year or two for, you know, maybe Amari to go or maybe Gallup mm-hmm. to go. I, I don't think his, I could see both of them taking a similar amount of time to ascend to being their team's number one. Mm-hmm. But you think, uh, you know, I certainly have more confidence in Dak Prescott than I do Drew Locke. Yeah, sure. 
I get that. Yeah, um, for me, I didn't love any of the landing spots really for the wide receivers. And, and we've kind of talked about how you should probably downplay that a little bit anyway. Um, but so, so because I didn't, you know, just absolutely love any of the landing spots, I'm just kind of reverting to talent on picking Lamb over Judy. Um, I just think that, you know, makes a lot of sense. And the, the Cowboys were super pass happy last year. Um, and there's actually a lot of vacated targets after, you know, Randall Cobb is out of there as well. So, you know, there's a path to relevance right away. And I just kind of want to bank on the talent long-term. So yeah, that's I why think, I, I go Lamb over Judy. I th- yeah, I think Lamb over Judy makes sense. That's where I'm at too. And, and one other thing I'll say, I mean, at this point too in the draft, right, like you have five running backs that you can see having an immediate, maybe six running backs you can see stepping into yeah. the lead back role mm-hmm. day one. Uh, mm-hmm. after that, the, the pickings are a little bit slimmer. You're looking at a little bit longer play of, of getting them into dynasty relevance or starting on your roster at least. And so where I would go at this point is I probably would have gone JK Dobbins. I'd probably be waiting on receivers a little bit longer just because of the volume of wide receivers that there are. Um, yeah. I mean, you, th- there's been a lot of people that made the case uh, for Jalen Rager as the, the wide receiver one. Um, mm-hmm. There's people that have made the case for Justin Jefferson as wide receiver one. So for me, if you know that there's five or six elite running backs that you're not likely to get at the next turn that you go, why not take a running back here? And then in the second round, start targeting that second tier of of wide receivers, the Henry Ruggs, the Denzel Mims, the LaVisca Chenaults, right? I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that would be, that would be my strategy, but you know, I also understand that you're looking at a once in a, you know, decade maybe type of talent at wide receiver too okay well that's that's a perfect transition into our next pick which was yours and that's where you did take jk dobbins my god what a what a phenomenal a genius pick some say (laughs) um it should be noted that you also have mark ingram here how much did that weigh into your decision making you know, not a ton. Uh, it was at this point, it was the, the only people I was really considering were JK Dobbins and CD lamb. I had a couple mm-hmm. other people, uh, you know, on the fringe that I was, I was thinking about, but really it was, it was JK Dobbins. It was CD lamb. And, and really for the reasons I outlined just a minute ago is the reason why I picked JK Dobbins. I felt mm-hmm. very strongly that I could snag a serviceable wide receiver later in the draft. Um, also given the makeup of my roster, you know, I have really strong running backs uh, as my top two, but after that it thins out a little bit and I wanted to solidify the depth of running back on my team. Sure. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate in this league that I have Christian McCaffrey and I have Nick Chubb as my one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Mark Ingram. I have Kareem Hunt. I have Devin Singletary. And then it kind of thins out a little bit. So I wanted that, uh, that additional piece uh, to, to plug in there. Uh, and my wide receivers are very deep already in this league. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, having Mark Ingram certainly, you know, played a little bit of a role in it. Um, my team is a, is kind of a win now team. Uh, and I don't know that yeah. this pick is, I think out of what's left uh, of the guys I would target here, this is maybe the most win now pick there is, but I don't, I'm a little bit worried about how crowded that running back room is and how much he'll contribute. Um, compared to CEH or Jonathan Taylor in year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a fair criticism there, but um, I, I like the pick, you know, I, I like it because you have Mark Ingram. I, I like it because I love JK Dobbins on tape. You know, he does that thing where he kind of 
Uh, he'll stumble and he'll put his hand right in the ground and then pop up for like four or five more yards. I just love when a running back does that. I didn't really see any anybody else in the class doing kind of like those like gritty moves that that he was doing. So uh, I yeah. really like the pick, like the fit. Um, you know, Baltimore runs a lot of that RPO and that's what he did in college. So I think he's going to, you know, have a pretty seamless transition into um, – probably some pretty good production in, in the first year. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So it's a, it's a seamless uh, transition from Ohio State to mm-hmm. uh, Baltimore with, uh, with the RPO and with the amount that Baltimore runs the rock. Um, yeah. y- you feel like, you know, within the next year, Mark Ingram's over 30, um, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards don't scare you. Um, you know, he rushed for over 2,000 yards um, last season. So his ability to run is on par with Jonathan Taylor. And what I've heard people say, you know, on certain podcasts and on Twitter is that that now he's starting to creep up ahead of Jonathan Taylor for some people because of his pass catching ability, very similar to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They have the kind Mm -hmm. of running and passing game combo that Jonathan Taylor doesn't really have, at least in college. Um, And I think the fit also people seem to like that quite a bit. So, um, so yeah, I mean, sure. just to put a bow on JK Dobbins. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled with JK Dobbins at, at six. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen him in mock drafts go as high as three. Uh, so yeah, I feel mm-hmm. good about that. Okay, cool. Uh, well, the next guy we've talked about quite a bit here, that's CD lamb. Um, but I do want to ask you uh, one thing uh, for me as an Amari Cooper owner, should I be worried about CD lamb being added to this roster? Yeah, I think you should. Uh, um, I think any, any, anybody that rosters a Dallas pass catcher should be a little bit concerned here with the draft capital and the type of receiver uh, mm-hmm. CD lamb is. I think the person this hurts them, the people this hurts the most uh, from the jump is Michael Gallup and Blake Jarwin. Um, sure. I had, I had done a piece for Dynasty Football Factory uh, where I uh, outlined some buy low tight ends um, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back pre-draft. Was, uh, Blake Jarwin was one of those buy low tight ends, and now I'm, I'm, I wish I could kind of take that back because I don't know that Blake Jarwin is dead, but I think Blake Jarwin is now the, the fifth option in Dallas, and that's, not, that's mm-hmm. not what you want out of a starting tight end. Um, well, we bought low on Blake Jarwin in the, the league that we co-managed a team. And uh, yeah, yeah, not feeling so good about that now. <laughs> not at all. But yeah, I think Amari yeah. probably still is the, the wide receiver one in Dallas yeah. for this year. I don't know how much mm-hmm. longer he's going to be in Dallas, though. So, you know, maybe it, it, time will tell, right? He could leave Dallas and go into an incredible situation. Um, yeah. Maybe he goes to the Chiefs. Maybe he goes to the Packers. Maybe he goes somewhere. But I, I, this year I'd be okay with Amari Cooper, I would still lock him in as a wide receiver one, but, um, but that is a lot of mouths to feed in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Amari Cooper's 25 though, you know, and he's been a wide receiver one, albeit, you know, with the, the up and down nature that he scores points uh, for a long time. Um, and, you know, most dynasty rosters are expanded, you know, in this league that we're talking about, we have three flex options plus super flex. So, you know, if you're playing in one of those leagues and you can kind of stomach the ups and downs, like Amari Cooper could actually be a buy low. You know, if people are thinking that, you know, CD is just going to come in there and, and, you know, take a lot of opportunity away from him. Yeah. I think he, I think that's a good point too, actually. And and to that point, I think Michael Gallup is a buy low. I think how do you try to, had you tried to acquire Michael Gallup pre-draft, you're talking about at least a one, 
a future one probably probably two right yeah yeah i i that's i put out an offer for michael gallup before the draft and it was uh i think it was a first and a second maybe um mm-hmm. so yeah two ones isn't off base but now if you wanted to try to acquire michael gallup i don't you know i wouldn't be shocked if you could get him for an early second round pick now you know a, you know if you could predict it was going to be an early second round pick or, or a second round pick and a high upside E younger player, maybe. Um, And you know, they're not going to be able to keep everybody in Dallas. So somebody's going to go. And I think Michael Gallup has the talent. We saw the talent last year. So projecting him forward for being so young, if Mm -hmm. he winds up being the guy that sticks around with lamb, that's a phenomenal spot for him. Okay, well, let me let me ask you this. That's an interesting kind of thought experiment there. If you had an early second round pick that you spent on a wide receiver, would you trade that player for Michael Gallup? Like, I'll give you an example. Would you trade Denzel Mims for Michael Gallup right now? I, yes, I would. Would you trade Henry Ruggs for Michael Gallup right now? A hundred percent. Yes. I, I'm not a, I'm not a Ruggs guy. I, Me neither. Yeah. I think he's a possession guy. I don't think he's a take the, he should be a take the top off the defense guy, but he wasn't mm-hmm. used that way. Um, All right. What anyway. about T Higgins? Yeah. T Higgins. I like probably more, uh, most out of the three you've mentioned so okay. far. Um, okay. That'd be a bit of a toss up for me, but I still like the upside. I mean, you've, you've seen what Gallup can do in the mm-hmm. NFL um he's on one of the most dynamic offenses in all of football yeah Um, so I think I probably would honestly but I you know if you start going up to like Jalen Rager or Justin Jefferson I would not do that right yeah I I, I'm with you there okay all right so let's move on here um we're at the 108 and this is where DeAndre Swift goes um so this is that same owner who took uh Tua earlier he gets a running back here uh, DeAndre Swift and we're kind of at the back of the the big five if you will for running backs um, there's Swift and there's Akers uh, who are on the board here who's your pick out of those two yeah I think this is probably the right call um, as much as I don't love the landing spot um, I, I think there's a chance that Denver I'm sorry that uh, Detroit uses Swift the way that we had hoped they would use carry on Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they've lost a bit of faith in carry on. I think they've lost the, the thought that he may be able to play a 16 game season and shoulder, you know, 20 carries a game. Um, so I don't, I don't not like devastated by Detroit as the landing spot here, but, but I am a little bit devastated by Cam Akers landing spot. I mean, this guy can't catch a break with <laughs> offensive lines, man. I mean, my God. Um, I think uh, Swift, I, I had Swift uh, on pure talent alone, pre-draft ranked ahead of Akers, and the landing spots didn't change that for me. So I think this is the right, yeah. the right call. I do too. Um, so I was sitting at the 109. So I'm, I'm right there behind this pick, um, and I need running backs at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, you know, my, my starters are Todd Gurley and then a bunch of question marks, you know, including Daryl Henderson. So, um, you know, I... I was planning on, you know, rolling with Henderson as my RB2 until Akers got drafted. Um, so that kind of torpedoed those ideas. Um, so I was sitting here happy with either one of them falling to me, you know? Um, and then that's what Akers, that's what Akers did. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, I lock up the, the Rams backfield. Um, I would have liked, you know, DeAndre Swift to fall to me. Then I get my Lions uh, running back. Although, 
there's like a 90% bust chance if I draft my Lions running back, yeah, especially when they get them in the second round, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, no, I think you, you made the call you had to make here. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get, you, get the, you get control of an entire backfield, kind of similar to uh, J.K. Dobbins and Ingram on my team. Exactly, yeah. Um, in the event, you know, mine's a little bit worse maybe because Ingram is inching towards retirement where it's certainly possible you could see a, a future where Henderson goes somewhere else and maybe gets to be the lead back somewhere. Um, so you have more options. Your, your option future is more vast than mine with those two running backs. So I think it's a good call. I think it's kind of the only call you had to make there. Yeah, it really was. Um, yeah. Okay. So moving on this for me, those nine guys represented kind of like probably the end of, you know, tier one and tier two, maybe tier one, tier two, tier tier three, however you had them ranked. And so I kind of view, uh, the, the guys who came after this as, um, a little bit of a downgrade from, from the top nine. Would you agree with that? Or do you see it a little bit differently than me? Um, I agree. I, I had most of the, the big five running backs ahead of, uh, uh, ahead of wide receivers, uh, for reasons mm-hmm. mentioned previously. So yeah, I think that, mm-hmm. that sounds about right. I mean, I'm, I, for me, it was kind of one massive tier and, um, I mean, you can obviously tear it out differently, but just about one through t- 12, um, for me, I would have been thrilled having any of the people in, in, in this draft specifically who mm-hmm. went one through 12 as, as my number one yeah. pick, I would have been happy sure. with that. All right. Before we move on to uh, what pick 110 actually was, I just want to talk a little bit about how I've seen Cam Akers getting drafted a little bit higher than he probably should, you know, in the, in the other league that we've been touching on here, that's the running back that went 104 before Tua. Like that's crazy, right? I, I I mean, listen, it's a subjective game, you know, dynasty football is, you know, you kind of get your own rankings, you can justify it, you can pick and choose the stats you want to pick and choose. But I just, for me, that's a little crazy. I don't, I, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of dudes I would want to roster before Cam Akers and especially taking him over um, to a Tagovailoa who could be the real, real deal in the NFL. I cannot justify that. And I wouldn't do that. Yeah, same. I mean, I, I feel like people just kind of see Cam Akers with that landing spot and they think they're going to immediately get peak girly, which is just not going to happen. I mean, maybe you get one or two of those seasons, you know, down the line and that's like best case scenario, but he's not walking in to be that guy from day one. You know, no, and they, they've made mention too about wanting to to keep people fresh and do a rotation yeah. and have yep. multiple backs and that kind of seems to be for the most part, the way the league is going as a whole. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, with the exception of, you know, maybe the first three running backs off the board, I, I would want, if you're going to take a running back that early, you want to be sure that that running back is as close to being a surefire three down back, um, as possible. And I just don't see that at least in the first couple of years for, uh, mm-hmm. cam makers. Okay. All right. So just to, to round out the top 10 here, um, Pick 110 came down, in my mind, I think this guy was going between two wide receivers. And it's kind of, you know, the the next two guys, there's been a lot of debate on who would you like more. And that's Justin Jefferson or Jalen Rager. Right. Who's your pick out of those two? Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's Jalen Rager. And I know in a previous podcast, I've, I've professed my undying love for uh, 
Justin Jefferson and listen, I yep. mean, you, you, both of these landing spots are super tasty. I have no, um, I have no concerns about either. Both of them can step into being the wide receiver one in a year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in one you have Thielen who's getting older uh, and was injured last year. In the other, you have just a, uh, a just a cornucopia of old questionable uh, wide receivers. So I think mm-hmm. both of them have a really, really great opportunity. Awesome landing spot. But for me, Jalen Rager is just so explosive. I mean, you look at his college, uh, you know, his, his first season with a dominator rating of 20% at eight, at the age of 18. I mean, he broke mm-hmm. out so early. Yeah. He does it all. I mean, if you get points for return yards, you kind of get the sense he may, uh, he may take over that spot. I know they've used a mm-hmm. mix of like uh, Deshaun Jackson when healthy, Darren Sproles when he was there. Um, but he could be uh, a special teams demon if you get touchdown points for that. I mean, he had 36 returns, 724 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, so he's he can do it all in kind of all different phases of the game. Uh, so I I would lean Rager, but I think mm-hmm. there's you know it's kind of the exact same for me as Taylor versus CEH if you wanted to go Jefferson you wanted to go Rager I, it's tomato tomato yeah I mean I'm I'm glad that I have not had to make that choice yet in a, in a dynasty draft you know yeah and unless you feel really strongly about one or the other which I don't really feel that way I'm all mm-hmm. for trying to field offers to trade down just a little bit um yeah right move down a couple mm-hmm. if, if there's somebody out there that really feels strongly that you know Rager is the best wide receiver in the class and they can get him uh, move down a couple spots and snag uh, Justin Jefferson or snag Keyshawn Vaughn or, you mm-hmm. know, if somebody else fell snag them too. But yeah, I'm, I, this, this draft for me was a first round seem after the first few picks, it seemed like every single pick wanted to trade down and it's because there's mm-hmm. so much great talent just clumped at that top. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, that wide receiver tier that you alluded to earlier in the second round is big and talented so yeah if you can if you can get two of those guys instead of a Justin Jefferson or a Jalen Rager I'm all for it yeah. you know move down two spots get Michael Pittman and LaVisca Chenault fine you know yeah sure whatever yeah um all right so that uh, wraps up the first round you want to take a little break here let's take a break all right guys we'll be right back all right we are back uh and we're going to talk some second round here and uh, maybe some guys in the third if we have a little bit extra time all right so zach at 201 this was Keyshawn vaughn is that too high um, or is that actually too low because it's a great landing spot and, you know, not a ton of competition. You know, I've actually seen Keyshawn Vaughn ranked ahead of Cam Akers uh, a little bit here and there. So what do you think about that? Yeah. I don't know that I'd go quite that far. Um, <clears throat> I think it's the right spot for Keyshawn Vaughn. I think, um, you know, it, uh, it's a great landing spot. I think this, um, kind of right in this tier is, is right about where you want to try to target uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. After him, you start to move into into more of the timeshare or future um, running backs. This is the last of the running backs that you can see being a guy to take over uh, as the number one running back in year one. Um, I, I would 
just based on my team and based on my first draft pick, I probably would have taken Jalen Rager here. Same. But uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, I mean, listen, he's in a great spot. 5'10", 214 pounds, kind of right where you want him to be as a running back. You know, he's a little bit older. He spent all four years in college. He's going to be 23 going into, uh, into his first season. Uh, the only real concern that I have, um, I guess, is I don't see – like a, his pass catching is fine. I mean, he's kind of another one of those running backs. He caught 29 balls – uh, in his senior year. So, you know, a little more than two a game or so, um, which isn't a ton, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of pass catching options there. So he's probably not going to get a ton of passing work. Um, I'm not thrilled, uh, you know, with uh, Ronald Jones. I don't see him being a huge barrier to Keyshawn Vaughn getting a ton of work. They may ease him in a little bit, but um, no, I think this is a, this is a really solid pick and, and a guy you can see kind of being the future uh, running back in that really, really dynamic offense. Yeah, my only concern is the third round draft capital versus the second. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's really only it. But they have talked him up after this pick to such a degree that people are getting really hyped. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, Bruce Arians has talked about uh, Keyshawn Vaughn being able to be used on all three downs, and you know, just like you know, when people see Cam Akers go to the Rams and everybody starts to think about Pete Gurley, people are going a little bit crazy with uh, Keyshawn Vaughn being the next uh, coming of David Johnson. So, um, you know, whether or not that happens, as you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think that, again, this is probably the right, you know, range for him. Um, But I agree with you that he probably shouldn't sneak into that, that top tier of running backs. Yeah, the other thing too <clears throat> with Keyshawn Vaughn, I mean, based on the film that uh, you know I've watched a little bit, he, he is a very um, adept pass blocker. And so when mm-hmm. you have a statue quarterback, uh, Tom Brady, you know, you, you want to make sure that he stays upright. And so I think he, you know, Ronald Jones isn't a, a pass blocking extraordinaire. So I think right. it's certainly possible that Keyshawn Vaughn is able to kind of get more playing time if he continues to show really solid um, pass blocking, that could be his key to getting more work um, as early as week one, two, three, something like that. So um, again, yeah, I love the pick. I think he's kind of the prototypical running back size, uh, speed, um, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I, I think it's great. I, I love this kid's future. Yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on in the second round, this is where we see just a ton of wide receivers. And we've, we've talked about this earlier Um, If you have a early second, you know, our advice is to try to trade back and and pick up another second, you know, get two dart throws at these really talented wide receivers instead of just one. Um, In terms of this draft that we're talking about, uh, this is where we see Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, Henry Ruggs, T. Higgins, uh, Michael Pittman. Um, so those are, you know, th- that's kind of typical for what we're seeing in, you know, dynasty rookie ADP. Um, then a couple spots later, you get LaVisca Chenault, and then after that, Brandon Ayuk. So I guess my question uh, for you would be, do you think Chenault and Ayuk deserve to be in that group with, you know, Pittman and Higgins and, and those guys, especially Ayuk with the, uh, the first round draft capital? Yeah, so I think the answer is yes and no. Um, I'm, I'm higher on Ayuk than, um, well, I don't know, than some, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's, he's incredibly explosive. I mean, again, a kind of a prototypically yeah. uh, wide receiver size and speed. Um, 
he had over you know 1,100 yards receiving uh, last year. He uh, he had like breakaway speed. He was never yeah. a defender was never within a few yards of him. It seemed like he could he could um, beat people off the line. He could find separation. Um, he also uh, was a really good return specialist as well. So that kind of goes hand in hand with Jalen Rager, um, mm-hmm. with that elusivity and the speed and the burst. Uh, yeah. He ran a four five. Um, 40 at the combine. He had uh, a solid burst score. He's in the 92nd percentile for that. Um, so yeah, I think also landing spot with the Niners is is decent, right? Like he has Debo uh, to compete with and Kittle, obviously. But uh, as far as wide receivers, I mean, he's pretty much already the number two there. Um, yeah, you, I mean, you'd like to see him in a kind of more you know pass friendly offense. Um, but I agree with you that there's not a ton of competition there so he should you know see some volume right away and we'll I think we'll know you know midway through year one if Brandon Ayuk is is anything you know? yeah I think that's probably fair and I yeah. think uh you know just to kind of continue the discussion I think Pittman's pretty good I mean again that's another really solid landing spot yeah. um with Rivers and you know all the stuff we talked about earlier with uh yeah. Jonathan Taylor um but yeah, I think that's a really good landing spot. He is a big dude. He's six four, um, and he had over twelve hundred yards receiving in his uh, senior year. And he kind of he he took a pretty massive step forward every year in college. And that's that's what I look for a lot of times is to make sure that things kind of progressed in the way they seem to be progressing. And every year he took a step forward. Um, so I think that's a, a great landing spot for Pittman. So I put Pittman uh, certainly in that really good tier along with um mims absolutely uh t higgins uh pairing him with uh burrow for the foreseeable future is a beautiful thing rugs kind of in that back end of that tier as well and then uh Ayuk, um chenault for me and uh you know i can let you speak on this a little bit too but yeah i'm not sold i mean i think he's he certainly has you know his ceiling is is very high but i think his floor is also very low um and that's what yeah. That's what gives me the most pause about Chenault. And, I, and there's also rumors. And at this point, who knows uh, all that could just be, you know, a smokescreen or it could just be, you know, nonsense at this point of the, of the year. But there was some report that they're thinking about using him as like a Swiss army knife, like wildcat quarterback, which I, I didn't even know that was still a thing in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't have a, you know, he's a fine pick. I think he was taken at the last pick in the second round, which I'm completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I wouldn't put him too much higher than that. Yeah, I do. I do think that LaVisca Chenault is kind of in the back end of that tier. Um, but I, I think the landing spot is actually really good. I, I you know, you have Chark and Westbrook there um, in Jacksonville, but like, are they really anything that you're that worried about? You know, you've had Chark do, you know, be kind of, you know, respectable for, for a little while here, but like, I, I don't know if, you know, I, I think I saw that both Chark and Westbrook have never had a season with over 850 yards, you know? So take that into consideration and, and Chenault could kind of, you know, go in there and, and do some things. Um, so you, you mentioned Michael Pittman, if you miss out on Rager and Jefferson, is he the next guy up for you or do you kind of not even care at that point, just because there's, there's so many of the, um, you know, the, the, the uh, tier here is so deep that um, you just kind of want to get anybody who's, you know, ready to go at that point. 
Yeah, I mean, again, at this point, the tier is so uh, massive, and there's so many wide receivers in uh, in this kind of range that I'm I'm good with with just about anybody here up until um, God even go. Uh, I don't know. I'm good with everybody pretty much until you get to like a Chase Claypool kind of wide receiver. But everybody else, I'm good with taking in the second round, honestly, because you're now you're going into wide receivers that could you, you can see them moving into like the number one uh, spot on their on their respective teams a lot quicker than you could see um, some of these running backs moving into that role on their teams. Okay, gotcha. So let's um, let's talk about. Uh, my pick in the second round, uh, at 207, I trade up from 209. I give up 409, and I get Justin Herbert, who somehow fell all the way to the 17th pick. Uh, how, how does that happen? Are we just uh, in a Superflex league where people don't care too much about Superflex? What's going on here? Yeah, this is uh, contrary to everything I've seen, read, heard, uh, and, you know, everything and anything. I You know, I'm not I don't think Justin Herbert is, is like a golden prospect, like a surefire can't miss quarterback, but at the same time, you know, pick 17 in a super flex startup draft is um, I I've never, I've done a ton of mocks. I've done other yeah. legitimate uh, rookie drafts. I've never, ever seen Justin Herbert go in the second round, let alone, uh, you know, over halfway through the second round. So, I mean, great. Yeah. Great pick by you, obviously, and you know an important pick to make. Um, you start getting into like Zach Moss, AJ Dillon, Lavisca Chenault. So yeah, I think taking Herbert at two point oh seven is an absolute, probably the biggest steal of the draft. And I don't have an answer for it. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. And I think you should be pretty pleased with that. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was a, a long draft. I think we had four hours uh, for each pick, uh, and some guys used all four hours. Yeah. Uh, so the first round took, you know, the entire day, and, um, you know, I woke up in the morning, and, you know, a couple of those wide receivers from that tier that we just talked about were gone, and Herbert was still sitting there, and I just had to make a move. Um, you know, just for point of reference, the other league that we've been talking about, Justin Herbert went 110 you know, so uh, I'm, I'm happy that I, I, I feel like I got away with uh, two first round picks in this draft and all I had to give up was 409. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, in, you know, in super, super flex dynasty, right? I mean, you, you think about it, obviously you're going to be starting two quarterbacks per team. This is a 10 team league. So you're talking about 20 quarterbacks starting every single week. Um, you need to be rostering quarterbacks that have the starting job or have a very quick path to being the starter. So, and quarterback is without question the most important position in Superflex. So mm -hmm. the, the thought that a guy who could potentially be your week one starter on a team with a ton of weapons goes as the 17th pick in a rookie draft is beyond me. I, I cannot explain it. And I don't, I genuinely don't get the rationale for it. It's not like every single team is stacked on quarterbacks. There's a lot of you know, and there's going to be a couple good quarterbacks next year as well. And maybe some of these guys think they'll have a shot at a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence, but mm -hmm. why risk that, especially this late in the draft? I mean, take him at, take him at 110, take him, shit, take him at one, I don't know, two, three, take him. At, I just don't get the, the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It was a surprising one, but uh, I'm glad that uh, it happened because my quarterbacks in this league are Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, and Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, at, at the very least, I lock in a another guy who's going to be starting at some point 
um, to be, you know, a backup behind Matt Ryan. And hopefully uh, Justin Herbert can progress and become somebody who moves into that super flex role for me once uh, Matt Ryan retires. So uh, pretty happy with that. Um, just a couple more questions to kind of round out the second round here. The next two picks were Zach Moss and AJ Dillon. Um, do you think that they went in the correct order there or would you rather have AJ Dillon over Zach Moss? Um, just generally speaking, I would rather have AJ Dillon. Um, he, I think has a, a quicker path, um, to being the starter than Zach yeah. Moss does. Um, but, uh, you know, you could also look at Matt LaFleur's history and his wanting to keep running backs fresh and having multiple running backs and blah, blah, blah. Um, I just don't see Zach Moss really unseating Devin Singletary anytime soon. There's, there's, again, there's kind of two different Twitters out there of people that think Devin Singletary is awful and people that think Devin Singletary is uh, really, really good, please. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's where I would land. I, I like A.J. Dillon's size. I like A.J. Dillon's speed. I like his stiff arms. I think he does remind me a bit of Derrick Henry. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'd land. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you too. I, I would rather have AJ Dillon. It really seems like the Packers want to be your one first team. Um, and Jones could be out of there after uh, very shortly. You know, I, I, does he have, um, does he have another year on his contract after this one? Or is uh, this the end of his rookie deal? Uh, he would have to be re-signed after this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you just don't know if that's that's really going to happen. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, again, that makes me point more in the A.J. Dillon direction than the Zach Moss direction. Yeah, I don't think – I think this kind of this kind of is the, the writing on the wall that it's very – I don't know. I've, I've heard also some thoughts that they may try to trade or release uh, Jamal Williams. Uh, release would be weird, but um, I, I could see Aaron Jones asking for a boatload of money after this year. Uh, and the Packers not wanting to pay for it. So I think this pick in the second round kind of leads you to that conclusion that it's probably going to be A.J. Dillon uh, next year, the, not this coming year, but the following year as, as maybe the primary ball carrier. Makes sense. I mean, they, they got him with a second round pick, so um, he could definitely turn into something sooner rather than later. Um, and, and you like that he brings a little bit something different to the table than what the Packers have currently. So, uh, you know, he could definitely step in there and, you know, show them that he's capable of, of you know, doing, doing a lot, especially uh, near the goal line. You know, Aaron Jones had so many rushing touchdowns last year that, you know, you siphon some of those off to A.J. Dillon. And, you know, he could be, you know, at, at worst a bi-week fill-in this year. I do want to make a quick plug for myself and for uh, Dynasty Football Factory. I wrote up a Packers preview article <clears throat> probably about a month month or so ago where mm -hmm. I said it is time right now to trade Aaron Jones. Yeah. Maybe if you're a contender in a win-now window, you keep him. But 19 touchdowns, that is going to – the regression is going to be there, of course. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen again. Yep. Um, they want, you know, I think LeFleur is legitimate when saying he wants to keep the running backs fresh. And he said that last year and it still counted for 19 touchdowns, but you, right now when, I mean, maybe not anymore, but you could get a massive, massive haul for Aaron Jones. I mean, he was being viewed as a top five running back, which isn't false. I mean, he had an incredible year, but think about the assets you could get back for a guy who's going to be likely changing scenery after this year mm -hmm. and going somewhere 
maybe better, maybe worse. Um, but he's starting to kind of, he's getting into that second contract. He's, you know, not an older running back necessarily, but you can get so much value for him. Um, and that probably has, that window has probably closed at least a little bit now. Yeah. yeah. Good call by you, man. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about one more Packer here. Cause uh, early in the third, um, we had a little bit of a quarterback run and it actually started with Jalen Hurts, two picks before Jordan Love. Uh, I, I kind of disagree there. I would much rather have Jordan Love with the, uh, the first round draft capital and, and, you know, knowing that, you know, the Packers seem like they're going to turn it over to him at some point than Jalen Hurts, who is behind a much younger quarterback who still has a lot more to give. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I completely agree. I, I, would very much rather have Jordan Love in a dynasty uh, setting than Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts can be a good quarterback. I think he can be serviceable in the NFL if he gets a shot, but uh, certainly you can see the path to starting much quicker for Jordan Love than you can for Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. The only thing, I don't think, I don't think he would ever be startable in this capacity, but I've seen a lot of things that say the Eagles may be trying to use Jalen Hurts as a Taysom Hill and maybe trying to script some plays for him and give him the ball as a running back or oh, let him throw the ball a couple oh, of right. Okay. Yeah, no, and there, there's, I mean, fine. I guess that, you know, for NFL purposes, I guess that's okay. But yeah, I, I can't see a situation where you would start Jalen Hurts anytime soon. There's also concerns with Jalen Hurts about his arm strength. Um, you know, he has that Lamar Jackson upside, right? I mean, if you're looking mm -hmm. at that, that's, a, that's really, um, that really is kind of where his upside could take him. But Jordan Love, Rogers' contract ends sooner. He's older. Yep. Um, the Packers invested and traded up in the first round for him. You mm -hmm. look at his tape from 2018 and you see a quarterback who really does kind of remind you of a Patrick Mahomes. He throws the ball so far with the flick of a wrist um his numbers were insane he had to deal with a lot of turnover uh coaching staff and receivers his numbers went down in 2019 but he's still raw and this is a perfect opportunity really to learn for a couple of years under Rodgers, and then hopefully come into the league and um and continue the packers quarterback trajectory sure okay all right, well, let's, uh, let's kind of wrap up here with the picks that, that we both made in the third. Uh, at 307, uh, you were desperately trying to trade up for this guy, but he ended up falling to you there. Uh, it's Brian Edwards. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you were so high on him pre-draft and um, you know, what do you think he's going to do in the next couple of years? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high for sure on uh... – Brian Edwards, I think the landing spot seems kind of odd and it seems like it's not great, but when you, when you kind of dig into it a little bit more, I think it's actually a really solid landing spot. Um, they did draft Henry Ruggs. They did draft uh, Lynn Bowden, but um, both of those guys are not the type of wide receiver that Brian Edwards is. Yeah. They, kind they of do typical have, for one. Exactly. Right? He is yeah. the typical uh, big body number one wide receiver. Yeah. So to me, the only competition that he has is Nelson Aguilar on a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. not, not worried about that. And Tyrell Williams, um, not worried He's about more that. More of a burner anyway. Right. So yeah. I, th I think that Brian Edwards has a pretty quick path to potentially being the number one receiver on this team. He's 6'3". His breakout year was at age 17. Um, I think that you know he never had a season that he had over 1,000 yards, and he did battle some injuries in a – 
most recent year. And I think that is probably what kind of moved him down a little bit. He sure. missed a, he missed a few games. He, he would have been over a thousand yards. Um, and so I think the foot injury um, and a previous knee injury as well uh, are kind of the things that, that had him sliding both in the NFL draft and also in uh, in rookie drafts. He was the 17th pick in the third round and was the 15th wide receiver off the board in the 2020 draft. I think this guy has a really solid opportunity in front of him. I think he has uh, a really bright future. Uh, if you want to see more of him, it's, it's very fun to watch his highlight films. He makes some spectacular catches. Um, and at this point in the draft too, there really wasn't a ton. This was kind of where it ended for me um, with really good wide receivers. Uh, yeah. You know, Antonio Gandy golden. I, I like a lot too, but that's really it. And I thought this was a perfect spot to land Brian Edwards. And I'm, thrilled yeah no i i agree with you that uh brian edwards really represented the last of the kind of like higher upside wide receivers um so i i really definitely like the pick if he had fallen to me at 309 i i definitely would have scooped him scooped him up there um but i wound up with anthony mcfarland jr uh to the pittsburgh steelers in the fourth round and honestly for me this is really all about landing spot. Um, I, I would have been interested in whatever running back went to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they are, don't, they don't seem sold on any of the guys there. Um, and they've, they've shown that they can produce, you know, high end fantasy football running backs. So, you know, the, the draft capital, you would want that to be better, but it's not bad in the fourth round. Um, and he, he profiles right away as a good complimentary piece you know he's very fast he can catch the ball um so i think that he could have ppr value right away and then if he progresses you know you know the pittsburgh will give opportunities to kind of lower drafted running backs so uh, i think there's a lot of upside there um you know i was kind of between mcfarland or chase claypool so two stealers there and uh, really, I just kind of, you know, I went with the guy who I think has the higher upside and, you know, really a, an easier path to being relevant right away. Do you think I'm on point there or is that kind of off base? Yeah, no, I think you're on point. And also just kind of the way the draft uh, fell, there really yeah. any other running back um, left on the board that, that you're excited by. I think Anthony McFarland does have, uh, has some really good skills and is in a good landing spot. And the next running back taken is LaMichael Pirine or Perrine. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Benjamin and then DJ Dallas. And out of those three, actually, I'd probably rather have DJ Dallas. Um, yeah. But I think Anthony McFarland kind of uh, was kind of the last of that solid, exciting tier of running backs. And mm -hmm. if it was between him or Claypool, I probably would have rather had uh, McFarland. Claypool worries me a little bit, honestly, um, just based on what they're talking about, where they're, where they're going to play him. Yeah, with Pittsburgh. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not. I'm, I was very excited about Claypool, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. A little bit less excited now. So I think McFarland's a great, uh, great value pick at 3.09. Yeah, same. I'm. I'm a little bit disappointed to not come away from this draft with uh, one of the kind of higher rated wide receivers, with it being such a deep wide receiver draft. But you know, based on the makeup of my team, you know, I'm just stacked at wide receiver. So it's not a position of need. And I, I honestly have, you know, some bench guys who you know, could turn into the, you know, the next starter for me. So I'm not too worried about it. 
Um, do you want to talk any more about, uh, you know, some of the other picks that you made in this draft or, um, but one, one thing I do want to say, uh, and actually kind of, I think it, it helps you kind of come to terms with not grabbing a super talented wide receiver in this like legendary wide receiver draft. Mm-hmm. I, one of the additional reasons why I chose JK Dobbins over a CD lamb or over a Jalen Rager is knowing that next year's wide receivers are also insane. Yeah. Um, and there will be a chance to get a Rondale Moore, a Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. um, you know, et cetera. And so, yeah, uh, the only running – I mean, I know there's more running backs out there, but the only ones that come to mind for me next year are uh, Chuba Hubbard and Travis Etienne. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you wanted to go hard on running backs this year and then wait till next year to pick up a wide receiver right before that, I think that's a, a good strategy, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was more kind of like how the, the draft played out and, and how my board was set up uh, that kind of pushed me in the running back heavy uh, mode this draft but you know I'm not mad about it because of you know exactly what you just said you know one my how my roster is constructed and two uh the next year's class of wide receivers so yeah pretty happy with it so uh, the only other things I'll say just very quickly about the the last uh, couple of people I picked um Tyler Johnson filled to me at 4.08 um I like that yeah I think it makes sense I mm-hmm. you know there wasn't uh, I didn't really have anybody else I, I thought was worthy of this pick um you know, it goes to a good spot, obviously, with Brady and a couple big, uh, you know, wide receiver targets there, too. Uh, and obviously Gronk. So he'll have, you know, I don't think he's going to do a ton this this year, but he was in, insanely productive in college and um, fell down the draft boards for, you know, some reason. I think there's some, you know, analytical things, but also there were some rumors of off the field issues. All that said, um, the type of talent he is getting him at 4.08, I, I was happy with. Um, and then my last pick is Thaddeus Moss. I'm not really, you know, thrilled about this pick necessarily. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of, uh, I needed a tight end. I have, uh, Mark Andrews and Blake Jarwin and that's mm-hmm. it. And so I wanted to grab a developmental tight end. Sure. Um, I, I, I think Thaddeus Moss is a very good blocker and I think that will keep him on the field. Um, I think he needs to improve his offensive skill set. I think he needs to improve his burst and his separation. Mm-hmm. He only caught four touchdowns his last year, and two of those were in the national championship game. Um, and only catching four touchdowns from a guy who threw 60 is a little bit concerning. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's also he, – he was an undrafted free agent. He went. He's going to the Washington Redskins, who are starved for a tight end. So I think the landing spot makes sense. And it was just kind of a – this is a purely taxi squad – cross your fingers and hope. Right. Yep. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, uh, Zach, why don't you uh, tell the people where we can find your work and um, we'll uh, wrap it up. All right. So you can find me on Twitter at DFF underscore Z train. You can find uh, my work uh, writing and, and doing some fantasy quick takes on dynasty football factory. Uh, it's an awesome website, really great guys uh, that work there. So please check that out and we'll, That's right. And I am Dynasty Walrus on Twitter. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. Take care. All right. See ya.